This is Eat, You'll Feel Better, a podcast about the food mood connection. I'm your host, food journalist, Mary Beth Albright. I've always loved the idea that is huge in pop culture right now about the multiverse, right? Um, The idea that small decisions you make every single day can change the course of history and can shape and completely change what happens to you. And that sometimes when we make choices in a moment, we have zero idea of how that choice will affect other choices that we will make later and things that happen later on. It's sort of like a choose your own adventure book where every page you just like choose this X or Y. Um, Do you go through a door that has a surprise on the other side and you don't know if it's a good or a bad surprise? Or do you just leave the door altogether and look for other doorways, right? Do you take the red or the blue pill, like in The Matrix? Or like in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, do you stay with a guy you want to marry, even though your parents disapprove? And it's in best-selling books like The Midnight Library. I could just go on and on. The whole idea of the multiverse, that question is everywhere. The question about how events change us or don't, and maybe we are just biologically wired in a certain way. And choice is just an illusion. Uh, Maybe we are just destined to do certain things or be a certain way and our choices don't make a difference. And for my purposes, of course, I am always thinking about food. I'm always thinking about the world from a food mindset. So a few years ago, I started looking into the question of how does the food we eat now factor into our decision-making later on about anything we do, not just about, oh, how do our food choices now affect our food choices later? It's how do, how do our food choices affect everything else about us? Um, even how you know food affects how we think and feel, and things that have nothing that we think have nothing to do with food. But of course, science is now showing us that it has everything to do with food. And this is like a heavy question. I don't want it to be like, oh my God, do I eat that M&M or could that change the course of history? I'm not looking at it like that. I'm looking at it as just a really interesting question about how to know more about ourselves and our biology and how to think about our food choices. I mean, for me, the science of food and mental health has always been a really powerful why um, way more powerful to me than losing weight or fitting into a body image or whatever. It, it, the idea that I can eat to have better emotional well-being from so many different angles, from pleasure, from inflammation, all those different things, that's the compelling thing for me. And over the past 20 years, as science has devoted more time and funding and looked more deeply into the food mood connection, we have some really exciting information about food and decision-making. And it's important to know these research findings because, look, we're, we're all eating every single day. And we should know if and how that eating influences what we do in the same way that we have all kinds of science about, you know, on mornings that you exercise, this happens. Um, 
on mornings that you make your bed, right? Like that, that making your bed is a habit of highly successful people or whatever. P.S. I don't make my bed in the morning. I'm sorry. But, um, it, just these, these ideas that we have out there about things that we do that affect other things. And food is to me a really interesting example of that. And just understanding that food affects decisions is important, even if we don't yet understand why. It's sort of like, the basis of this entire podcast is that, you know, I don't think that within any of our lifetimes, no matter how young you are, uh, we're going to know the whys of the human body, like why things happen for, for everything. But knowing that it does happen is just really important for me to make choices, individual choices in my life. And it gives me more respect for the power of my choices. And for me, it's another reason to really take a look at food that has nothing at all to do with weight loss or diet culture. It's just reminding me to pay attention. The study that I'm going to talk about today is foundational, and it showed that there can be a measurable difference in our choices depending on whether we eat a protein-heavy meal or a carbohydrate heavy meal. And this is not a podcast that's going to tell you eat only carbs or eat only protein or eat it in this in this um in this proportion. There are lots of them out there if you want if you want all kinds of content about that. Um science-based and otherwise. But but we're focusing only here on peer-reviewed science and to me, it's just, it's really fascinating to see how protein affects our decisions versus carbohydrates. So this is particularly exciting, this idea of a measurable difference, because in science, we look for hard evidence. We look for something to be measurable, a measurable predictor. And you, you remember science class back in high school, the importance of being able to measure and make a hypothesis and a prediction and all that kind of stuff in the scientific method. It, that the scientific method has not changed since we were in high school. It still exists and it's still around and people are still hypothesizing and looking for that hard evidence. So for science, that fact of measurability and repeatability can be really hard to do in dietary sciences because food is just one part of the ecosystem of the human body. But in this 2017 study, the researchers saw that it is measurable. So here's what happened. The researchers tested how eating protein or eating carbohydrates for breakfast could influence someone's decisions. And specifically, they wanted to measure food's effect on whether someone would accept being treated unfairly, something that was just objectively unfair. And would that person be more likely to accept an unfair treatment after eating protein or after eating carbohydrates? Would there be a difference, number one? Number two, would it be consistent? And number three, could it even be measurable? And the very exciting answer to all these three things are yes. So in this study, there were 87 people, and each person was brought in twice to play a game brought into a lab. And both times they were offered breakfast. On day one, 
the participants were offered a selection of food, all of which was high in protein. And the day they came back, the second day, a few weeks later, they were offered a selection of food that was high in carbohydrates. They could eat as much as they wanted both times. And the researchers drew the participants' blood before and after they had breakfast, all part of the experiment. And a crucial part of the experiment, as you'll hear, for measuring prediction of how food affects decision-making. So then each individual on both visits played a game in which they got to split a bunch of cash with another unknown person in the other room. And P.S., not a bad gig if you can get it, right? Breakfast, money, great study participant work if you can find it. Um, But the participants, the study participants didn't know it, but there was really no other person in the other room. It was just the researchers manipulating the game to see how the participant would react. But that person in the other room, they called the proposer, that imaginary person. And that imaginary person had some cash that could be split between the proposer and the study participant. But the study participant had to accept the offer. If the participant decided to reject the proposer's offer, then no one gets any cash. And it's kind of like when you need to split a piece of cake, right? Like, I cut, you choose situation. It's not exactly the same, but it's a process that was created to try to encourage a result that is acceptable to everyone, right? Um, If the proposer was like, I get all the cash and you get none, the participant would likely be like, oh no, me getting nothing stinks and you getting everything is bad and that's not something I'll accept. But how about it gets a little fuzzier when you think about how about if the proposer gets 90% of the money and the participant gets 10%, would the participant rather get that 10% of the cash, even with the knowledge that it's an unfair offer, or decide that she would rather have nothing, would rather just not allow the unfairness, the inequity, the selfishness of the other person to be rewarded by getting 90%. So it's a really interesting question. And it was in this way that the researchers studied how eating protein or carbs for breakfast would affect an individual's willingness to accept an unfair offer. Questions like, how does what we eat change our response to being treated unfairly? And how does what we eat change how we view the acceptable sharing of resources. We'll be right back. These are critical questions in the world we live in right now, where, look, there are limited resources and Some people have lots of those resources where other people have none. And a world where we have really limited access to getting to choose what to eat at all for some people. Some people just don't have a choice about what they eat. And so regardless of what you think of the system, these are foundational questions to how our society runs. And they're all about food choices. So the result of the experiment was that changing breakfasts changed behavior. And it changed behavior in, and this is critical, a predictable and measurable way. Because on protein days, 
the subjects were likelier to accept any cash the proposer offered, even if the proportional split of the cash was wildly unfair, even if it's the proposer gets 90% and the participant just gets 10%. Because on those days that were protein heavy, acting in your own self-interest of getting some cash outweighed the participants' feelings of injustice. And those exact same individuals on carb leaning day were likelier to reject the exact same unfair offer. They responded to injustice on the carb days with refusal to go along with the offer. That the injustice outweighed the benefit of getting at least some cash on carb days. So protein meant everyone got something, even if it was unfair, and carbohydrates meant the whole thing was just blown up. And the amount, this, this, is, this is the part that's really critical. The amount that the participant's behavior changed was exactly proportional to how much of a certain substance was in the participant's blood. And that substance, is, it's called tyrosine. You don't need to remember that. But more protein consumption means more of that substance, tyrosine, in the blood. And tyrosine is a precursor, a requirement for the body to create dopamine. And dopamine is that feel-good transmitter, neurotransmitter in our bodies. So in other words, when you have tyrosine, when you have protein that leads to tyrosine, there's also a likelihood of dopamine. And so this foundational study showed that food consumption can predict social behavior in a measurable way and that social behavior changes when we change what kind of food we eat. And we don't know why, we just know that it happens. That the tyrosine thing, it's measurable, but we don't know exactly why it's measurable and predictable with that. And one theory that some people have come up with is that people tended to live in groups together when humans had a more protein-heavy diet. So more protein usually meant that you were living in groups together, hunting together. Um, so protein in some way indicates to humans that we should be acting communally, right? Again, just a theory. And carbohydrates were more prevalent during times of agriculture and private property when we could store grain and hoard grain and be like, this is mine, nobody else can take it. So carbohydrates in some way may be signaling keeping other people away from your stuff. And that's why any kind of injustice, it was just blew the whole thing up. That's just a theory. It's, you know, kind of impossible to know why humans evolved the way we did. But, um, but it's an interesting theory that a lot of anthropologists have come up with. And these are you know, the, the, <laughs> the whole thing about choice and free will, it's a big question, right? It's heavy. Um, I'm sorry to report, I do not have an absolute answer for you. Um, but, you know, that's why I end each episode with one small thing you can do this week to put the science into action with your own body. Because I, we, we don't know why it happens, but all of life is one big experiment, right? So trying different things out with food and seeing whether and how it changes personally my emotional well-being is one of my favorite things to do. Um, but it requires noticing and it requires attention. So this week, 
I'm not going to tell you eat all protein or eat all carbs for breakfast and see what happens. You know, that isn't this kind of prescriptive eating podcast. But I'll just say that if you have two mornings when you have different kinds of breakfasts around 11 a.m., just write on a post it note how you're feeling emotionally. It doesn't have to be a journal entry. Like it doesn't, it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a 20 minute, you know, thing about how you feel today. Just the act of writing down how you feel emotionally, even just a few words, is important because, I mean, even if you throw it away immediately, it's just getting the feelings out of your brain and into the physical world on a page that makes your brain think differently about things. So this week, just notice there are a million reasons why you may feel differently after one kind of breakfast than another, because we each inhabit a different human body, and that body is an ecosystem, and a lot's going on in and around that body, right? But because there is science showing a measurable effect of food on decision-making, just take a look and see how it works in your own life. And I always love the messages I get back from you about these experiments. So definitely keep in touch and let me know if you notice something. I certainly notice them and um, I know there's science to back that up. It's not just, it's not just in your head. It is in your head, but, it's, <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. I'm Mary Beth Albright. And until next week, remember that choosing what to eat is always a privilege. See you next week.